Welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast that helps women leaders in nonprofits get out of survival mode and thrive in both leadership and life. I'm your host, leadership development coach, Kathy Archer, and I help women leaders enjoy impactful leadership. Do you believe your job as a leader is to always be out front of your people, to know all the answers, to have all the solutions, to figure it all out, and to have a group of followers behind you and you're in the lead? Eh, Most of us don't really believe that completely, but in many ways, that's the way we act and that's the way our organizations are ran. We have the title, we have the power and control, and then we have the staff or the team that are kind of behind us. Today we are talking to Bill Scott. This is the second episode following last week's episode where Bill talked about the five types of power. And in this episode, we transition into followership, what followership is, why you might want to think about it, and some strategies of how to incorporate that into your style of leadership. Again, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, go listen to that. You'll hear the history of how Bill and I connected. And you'll hear more about the work that Bill and I do together as well, because we collaborate on some work in in the work we do. So this week, tune in. I'm going to transition into the show now where we learn all about followership with Bill Scott. Yeah, I mean, I think power inherently speaks to kind of a leader-follower sort of relationship. And when I think about that dynamic, it's often uh, perceived that leaders are the active, they're the, um, they're the ones that do the, the movement in front of the, the team. You know, they're really the, the guiding lights, if you will. And the followers are simply there to obey, follow orders, you know, passively go along with whatever it is that they're told to do, etc. And in fact, that's not entirely untrue. Um, one of the most fascinating stats that I've read about followership um, and it comes from Warren Bennis, who's you know one of the more well-known um, thinkers in the field of leadership. And he said that 70% of followers would rather see their leader make a big mistake than speak up and tell them about it before they made it. Um, and I think that that really does Say speak that again. Them. Say that one more time. Sure. 70% of followers are willing to let their leader make a big mistake rather than stop them before they make it. Yeah. So I know you're going to screw up, but I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I know this is going off the cliff. And I mean, you know, this is not quite the same example, but I remember once in my youth, I was in a car with a friend of mine. We'd been uh, hitchhiking. Don't tell my daughter I said that I'd done that. (laughs) Um, And uh, and we got into this car with these two guys. And the guy, uh, this was in northern British Columbia, and he was just flooring the automobile. And all kinds of blue smoke was blowing out of the back of this car. And I looked over at my friend who was a mechanic. And, and I, I started to open my mouth and he just smiled at me and, and, and shook his head. And, and sure enough, within the next minute, the car blew up. Now, I don't mean blew up, blew up, but, you know. Engine. Engine's gone. We're on the side of the road, getting out, <laughs> thanking them for the, you know, for, for the two-mile ride, and and getting our thumbs out again. And what what happened? You know, in that situation, he was the follower. The yeah. driver was the leader. Yeah. But he was not going to speak up. Um, yeah. But he knew what was going to happen. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, in terms of how um, we we will not um, speak our minds to uh, leaders because 
we don't think the leaders want to hear us or we're afraid of the power in differential. We're not sure what the consequences will be. We're not 100% sure of what we're sharing with the leader. So many factors, 70% of us go into that category. And just a side note again, that is not the culture Bill and I want to create in your organization. We want to create an open culture where you do have the ability to speak up, where you do have the, the confidence that if you voice your concerns, your leader will say, huh, tell me more. So how do we get that? Well, I think that the way we get that is by stop thinking about leadership and followership as titles. Mm. Um, You know, if I have the title of general manager or executive director or program coordinator, um, that brings about a certain idea of what my responsibilities are. It's the title that I have. But what happens if I happen to have one of those titles and I'm not the smartest person in the room? Yeah. Um, and so when I think about followership, followers are those people who don't necessarily have the title, the titles, but there is a, an ability, in my opinion, anyway, for followers to exercise leadership. Yeah. And if that's true, you can't have two people leading at the same time. Right. The leader has to step back and become yeah. a follower for that length of time. Yeah. And to me, that's. That's what we're talking about here. It's about the interchangeability of those roles as opposed to the titles. So how does that happen? How do you make that happen? Well, I think that the first thing that you have to look at is creating trust in your environments. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most uh, interesting things about onboarding new people uh, that I've read is that before your probationary period, their probationary period is over. They've already made a decision about whether the environment is one they want to be in long-term or not. Right. So if your onboarding uh, uh, program is to give somebody a set of keys and tell them to get on with the job. Oh, and by the way, read the thousand page page policy and procedures manual and sign that you've read it. If that's your your onboarding process, I can almost guarantee you you've got somebody in place who's going to leave soon. Right. Right. Um, and, And so I think we need to create, environments that um, foster both uh, followers and leaders and and talk about the interchangeability. The reality is that followers can't create those conditions. It has to come from the people with the titles. So if I am a leader and I'm listening to you and I'm saying, okay, this sounds cool. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. What are the steps? Well, I think the first step is to acknowledge where you currently are. And it may be for some people that there hasn't been a lot of room for input, that the conditions don't allow for people to speak their mind. And I think that being transparent about that, and if I can use you as an example, Kathy, just Kathy and team, up until now, I haven't been uh, really open to hearing from people relative to how we should move forward on particular kinds of issues. I want you to know that I'm committing to stopping that practice now and starting a new one. And here's what it is. Oh, and by the way, I know this is going to take time because we have to build trust around that in order for you to feel that you can come forward um, and, and participate in this kind of environment. One of the other things that I think is really helpful too is, and this comes back to kind of the, the power stuff as well is as leaders, we think we have to know all the answers And we think that people come to us for the right answer. And so we sort of set ourselves up 
at times for either failure or looking silly because we don't, don't necessarily know the right answer. And so teaching people to say, I don't know, or let's explore this, or yeah. that curiosity to sort of ask questions about, you know, you were talking earlier about perspectives. What, what's another way of looking at this? What else haven't we, we questioned about this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's right. And, and looking at it through multiple lenses is really critical too, right? Um, and, and, the, and the recognition that when we're looking through somebody else's lens, we're going to have a much narrower focus than when we're looking through our own lens. We may think we understand it. Perhaps we were even in that person's position before we got promoted to the position we're in now. The reality is we don't know it from their perspective, not unless we have conversations with people and really get curious about what it is that they're experiencing. Um, And that may very well be different from what we've experienced in a similar situation. Yeah. The other thing too is, we often answer the question first, or I've heard leaders go into a meeting and say, this is what I think. What do you think? And so they've offered the answer, the the solution, the way to do it. And then they're trying to get feedback from their people. Doesn't work so well. No. And in fact, what they're asking for is affirmation, not feedback. Yeah. Um, There's a a great, um, great book. And uh, the book in the book, they talk about, um, you know, a, a military environment. Um, and and the I'm going to paraphrase it now because I don't remember the exact title of the book, but it's something like Leaders Eat Last. In fact, I think Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek has a book, yeah. 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 And, and, and he based it on um, military personnel telling him that the enlisted people are the ones who eat first, that the leaders yes. um, eat last. Um, and I think that that's something for us to take into account in other organizations as well. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you go to the lunchroom and eat last. But what it does mean is that you hear from other people before you offer your own thoughts and opinions. And again, this is going to be something that you have to set the stage for. None of what we're talking about today happens overnight. Um, And I think why people perceive of, you know, anything as a fad is because they don't give it enough time to incubate. Yeah. Peter Senga tells us that we need to intentionally build in delays in order for change to effectively occur. Right. Um, And so we need to do that when we're starting new processes, when we're becoming transparent. We we actually have to accept that things could get worse in the short term prior to being able to move forward. So, you know, I, I really do think that there's some opportunity as long as we're willing to look at it realistically. Um, and by that, I mean that it's going to take time. So remind us again what followership is. Well, I think followership is about a role uh, that people take on as opposed to a title. Um, so we all have uh, the title of follower. And interesting, try this exercise. Um, get people together, pair them up. And let's say Kathy and I are a pair. Just have them talk about anything. Give them a couple of minutes to talk. Then bring them back together and get Kathy to say to the group, do you think Bill is a leader or a follower? And then have Bill do the same thing with Kathy. You will be absolutely flabbergasted at the the number of people who are perceived by their peers to be leaders versus followers. Right. Uh, The last time I did this was with a, a team of 20 people. 
16 people ended up on the leader side, four ended up on the followers. You know, I mean, that's that's where we perceive the prestige to be. Yeah. We need to change that dialogue. We need to, you know, know that in most instances, in fact, every instance almost, you know, there are more followers than there are leaders. Yeah. And that's not necessarily about their title. It's about what we need from those individuals at that particular point in time. Hmm. Great way to sort of pull it all together and help people start to think. So in the last week's episode, we really talked about the power and the different types of power and then transitioned into followership today. And as those of you who have listened to both podcasts, you know, this is Bill's and my sort of passion work. And you're going to hear more about this in the coming days. If you want to know more about Bill's and my work, you can go to magneticworkplace.com and you can find out more. Bill, tell people where they can find you valuingpeople.ca. And I can also be found at innovationpartners.com. If you found today's episode helpful, then you are going to love the training library. Many women leaders in nonprofits wish that they had a coach or a mentor to help them, but they don't believe that they or their organization can afford it. Oh, but you can. Inside of the Training Library membership site, you will not only get access to affordable and easily accessible ongoing personal and professional development training, you will also have access to a leadership coach at your fingertips. That way, when you hit those inevitable challenges that leadership will bring your way, you'll have both the resources and the support to navigate your way through them with confidence, composure, and while keeping your integrity intact. To find out more, head to kathyarcher.com slash library. If you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could leave me a comment or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go make the rest of your day awesome. <music>